Good evening, and you're very welcome. I'm taking a little bit of a screenshot there. You're very welcome to this afternoon's or this evening's uh, Women's National League podcast. Um, I'm back uh, once again with Aaron Clark to join me for the next uh, maybe 30, 40 minutes or so to talk about all the things that have been going on in the league this week. And it's been a, a fairly busy week, both inside and outside the league for Ireland and Irish players across the globe. Aaron, uh, what have you been up to for the week? Uh, what's your, been your highlight? I got to watch a bit of football. Watched watched it all. From, watched the majority of it all from home this week. Uh, Work wise at the weekend, so I couldn't really get to a game. So had the, had the privilege of enjoying LOI TV. Uh, was looking forward to watching Shelburne against Athlone, and unfortunately, game wasn't streamed. So that sort of back back pedaled out, and ended up watching Bows and Bows and uh, going and watching a little bit of of Sligo Rovers against uh, Wexford Utes. So many positives to talk about this week. Uh, Katie McCabe nominated for the Ballon d'Or. That's a pretty big deal. 23 years since the last Irish nominee for that particular uh, competition or for that particular trophy. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan, her side, North Carolina Courage, into the final of the NWSL Challenge Cup. That takes place on Saturday evening, 7 o'clock Irish time, and the game will be lo- streamed live on nwslsoccer.com. So well worth checking that out for all fans of uh, of Irish football. Congratulations to Denise and her teammates for that. Um, it, it, but it's also been busy. A couple of moves. Uh, I know the transfer window here is closed, but it hasn't closed in the UK, or at least it hadn't, uh, when there was a late transfer for an Irish player into the league lose they've been fairly busy signing Irish players uh, this season they're in the championship of course Kate Mooney of Piemont the latest player to leave the league and go uh, to pastures new in London yeah it's been something that's sort of been brewing for a couple of weeks there was talk of other clubs being interested it's probably the first season where Kate has been fully fit in a couple of years after after niggles and injuries like you look at not last season season four she does the acl on, on her date after scoring on her debut for dlr against against galway then last season had a couple of niggles this year she's she's hit hit fine form with, with a good p-mount side and she's been rewarded with that move it's probably come at the wrong time for a p-mount united viewpoint with uh with, with five games to go after after last weekend's games but Listen, you can't not wish Kate well. It's a it's a good opportunity for her. It's a, it's an opportunity to step out and see what what she's capable of. I think she'll I think she'll she'll do okay. And at that sort of level, she made her debut in a defeat against Durham, where she played where she played against two Irish players with actually three Irish players, Nisha McAloon, Sergeant Noonan, and, and Elna Ryan Doyle were involved in, in the Durham side. So herself and Zoe Fiuhaus, two Irish players at, at Lewis this year. Be interesting to watch. Keep an eye, see how Kate gets on, see see how she develops. Like Kate's one of these. She's she's quite intelligent. She's quite smart. She's she switched on off the field as well, and with with study with it, the way she she's gone about her studies and stuff like that. So she's gonna decide to give full time football a bit of a a rattle and see how she gets on. And listen, I hope she does well. I hope she's hope she's she's a success and stay injury free and help give give Lewis the best opportunity. Yeah, as you said, mentioned, as you mentioned, she made her debut at the weekend. Uh, some loads of Irish in action over the last couple of days abroad. But let's maybe focus on the games in Ireland first and foremost. The game on TG Cahar, of course, Wexford Youths ran out fairly comprehensive winners, four-one uh, at Sligo Rovers, uh, despite that late uh, equaliser for um, for Sligo, or not equaliser, late consolation goal, should I say, for Sligo at the very, very end. Uh, it's been a rough ride in the league for Sligo. They're still bottom two and, and can't really see them getting out of there. Uh, in terms of that particular game, not possibly the best game of the weekend to pick. I know uh, when we're televising this 
the game we like to try and kind of get around or TG carry the powers to be like to try and get around and get to as many venues and showcase as many teams as possible but that wouldn't have been the one I would have been picking from around the grounds for last weekend in terms of giving us a, a genuinely competitive spectacle is that fair? No, no, it probably wouldn't be the one I'd have been picking. I'd have been probably picking a clone and shells would probably the game I'd, I'd have said. But for me, the one thing is, and, and I called for this last year, so I can't really complain over it. I called for the fact that I want to see more games being shown. I just don't want to see the same teams being shown week out, week in, week out. And like, you look at some of the games that they have shown, they've shown they've shown balls from, from, from daily mounts. They've shown Sligo from the showgrounds. They're going to show Galway from, from Eamon DC Park. They've got around a little bit more this year, which which has been great. And like the fact that they're showing a lot of games on the bounce is good. I, I do suspect that that you know that there will be there will be occasions as the season crawls on to they'll get a little bit more picky with selections. You know, I think they I think they'll they'll have to as, as things close in. But like the, the the other side the other side of it is, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful to to deal our waves here, but when you've got a when you've got DLR against P-Mount, which maybe wouldn't be seen with the way DLR season is and the players that they've lost as a major, major game. You couldn't. It's it's hard to say. Let's pick the league, the league win, the league leaders, and then obviously with the fact that the game was having to be moved venue last minute from the bowl to to Whitehall to to home farms ground because of the, the unavailability of the bowl, sort of that would have thrown ruction. So I think TG Carr probably dodged the bullet that they went shown to having to change up, up sticks and change things. So. I'm glad they're going around the grounds a little bit. Um, it's it's good for, it's good for the league. It's good for the exposure. But I do I do get you where you're coming from when you say it probably wasn't the best of games to, to pick. But the way the season has gone for both so it's, it never really was, was it? Um, Sligo, yes, they had to win this season against Cork, but they were the only other point they picked up was a draw against Treaty. Other than that, they haven't. And Wexford started being a bit of hit and mi- hit and missed. One week they're great, next week they're very poor and. Like it's it's a strange old season where Wexford's a lot of people, me included, was probably tipping them as as favourites for the league, and I think that was probably before Rihanna Jarrett come in when they signed the likes of Emily Corbett or the strength that they had in, in strength and depth, and then it just hasn't materialised, and it's turned into a bit of a, a a rough old season. But with the other result at the weekend, uh, which we'll talk about in the Bowes Galway game, you know, there's opportunities for them to maybe finish in the top four now, and if they were finishing the top four, considering where they were, you'd probably have to say. It's not the worst of the season. Being out of the cup is a bit is disappointing. So their only real thing they have to play for from a Wexford viewpoint is fourth place, whereas Sligo do have the cup game in, in two weeks' time. But the, for the league, Sligo just want to see the league out at this stage. In terms of that uh, league opportunity in the fourth place position, Bowes and Galway uh, scored a straw for them in Dalymount at the weekend. The only real winners in that were Wex- Wexford, really, for that opportunity with both teams dropping two points. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great game. Galway probably had the best of the limited chances in the first half. Came, uh, Katie Malone had a good chance in the second half for 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 Bowes, but keeper uh, Berlin made a good save. And like, realistically, you you just have to take one look at the table, Brefney, and you sort of have a look at the goals that both sides have conceded. Like you you look at them, they folk um, Bowes have conceded thirteen, scored seventeen. Galway have scored 17, conceded 12 in, in, in 15 games. So it was never really going to be a, a high-scoring game. The, the game in Eamon DC Park was, a, was a, a wicked deflection off Sarah Rowe and the keeper tried to clear the ball over and went overhead. And that was all that, that separates them. So like, I wasn't surprised to see it nil all. It wasn't great quality. It wasn't the best of quality either. And neither side really deserved to win that game. Do you think Wexford can sneak into that fourth place? They'll, they'll need to run the results. The problem is, is in order for Wexford to to do that, I do think Wexford are going to need to beat Pimont. 
And I think there's no no if buts or maybe they're gonna have to be Pima, they're gonna have to go unbeaten for the rest of their fixtures if they are to do it. To be fair, that is what happens this time of the season. If you're top of the league, you start losing games. So we'll have to see if it's going to be third time lucky for the Peas and the, if they can hold on uh, to that league title uh, position, at least at the moment. Uh, some of the games around the weekend, you mentioned Shells and Athlone 2-1 to the champions down there ahead of their run in the UEFA Women's Champions League. Brief run, as it was. They got beaten, of course, on Wednesday morning by um, Glasgow City. Fairly comprehensive, although the scoreline only suggests it was 2-0. It was probably a bit more comfortable than that for the Scottish side. Um, first of all, the game of the weekend, Athlone, You'd, you'd have expected Shells, given the way the seasons have gone for both sides, to have won that. Surprised it was only 2-1? Not really. Athlone have been in sort of a bit of a rejuvenation since Kilduff and, and Ken Kiernan. Uh, Ken, uh, yeah, Ken Kiernan have come, in, uh, have come in there. So I'm not really surprised. I wasn't surprised. I thought that would be probably the, the proper the test that Shells would have needed going away to the Champions League. No disrespect to them, but last year they played Treaty, who they probably should have beaten 7 or 8 nil before going away, and it really wasn't it wasn't ideal preparation. Um take the lead, get pegged back and take the lead, lead again before half-time, you'd have to be happy enough. The interesting thing to come out with that was Amanda McQuillan started the game and subsequently started the Champions League game against Glasgow, which probably surprised a few people considering she'd been back a while and Courtney Maguire had kept her position in goal. The one thing I will say, and Shells fans and Shells people may not like this, the one problem with Shells is, is that because they've lost so many players, and then, then they lose a couple more and they're bringing in more again. Players just don't have time to gel. You have too many new faces there. Champions League was always going to come way too early for them, and it was really a it was really a non-starter. If all they all they could really do was go out and sort of do their best, because it's difficult to sort of gel that team together. They brought in what five or six signings in the window, you know, promote two a couple of players from the academy. But the problem is, is is that like you're bringing in, in players from abroad who won't play many games with each other, and that's very difficult. And I've seen comments on social media. Um, from somebody who used to be involved with Shelburne and, and, and he sort of said that like the problem is is they're constantly losing the players. What like something needs to be done for them not to lose the players. The problem is you, you can't stop a player going to a professional contract when when it's not available. It's not available here to them at, at the minute and like that's the, un- the unfortunate thing. Like we knew in Jesse Stapleton's terms, we knew Jesse Stapleton was gone before the season even started. We knew once she turned 18 that the West Ham deal was on the table and the West Ham deal was going to be done. So it wasn't a case that we were sort of, it was unexpected. Whereas previous seasons, maybe some of the ones who have gone have been a little bit more, a little bit less expected. And like for Shells, it's difficult to, to lose so many players and, and then have the try to bring in players. Like, don't get me wrong. I really like the the like young Rebecca Devro, Hannah Healy, um, I think it's Kate McCarran or Kate McCann, uh, young youngster up top as well. There's some good Fair young play. There's some good young players there for Shelburne. But the problem is when you're having to throw them in at this level. Like, don't get me wrong, Hannah Healy when when she's been put in in the league hasn't done it, hasn't put a foot wrong. But when you're being thrown them young players in in these big games, it's really really difficult and like. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough for it's tough for Shells to sort of go into these games. They're nearly one hand behind their back as much as as much as they they don't want to say. Like the biggest difference for me, I think, between Shells and Glasgow is Glasgow are a full time team. That's the biggest difference. And when Glasgow lose a player, Glasgow can afford to go and replace someone of quality and bring them in and have them there for a period of time. Whereas for Shells, they were searching around trying to bring players in before the end of the window, and then did a couple of weeks before the season started back they've only played two games since the season started back the first league game then they were off for the cup then they played the league game again and it's stop start stop start and 
I feel sorry for them. I'm hoping eventually one Irish team will make the breakthrough again off the back of what Bristol done, that, that what Rahini done against Bristol, and even what um, the likes of Francis done years ago and team out done when they got to knockout stage and stuff like that. You know, I'm hoping teams will start to make that breakthrough. It's getting a lot harder. There's going to be a lot more needed to make the breakthrough, but like one of these years, I think I think it's probably going to be until the league goes fully professional where we have players that are on full-time contracts that that's that's probably going to be the best chance we have of breaking through because it's getting more and more difficult. Like you see, even I know you're going to mention it in a minute when you mentioned Katie McCabe, like Katie McCabe playing in Champions League with with Arsenal in the qualifying and the qualifying phase. Like you know what I mean? It's, it's it doesn't get any it doesn't get any easier. No, absolutely. At least they are in the league path rather than the champions path. So not never going to be directly opposing uh, the likes of shells, but at the same time. It is the reality. They're at the same level, trying to get to the same place. Uh, those one of those sixteen spots in the group stages of the Women's Champions League later in the season. Uh, looking across the rest of the league, plenty of other games this weekend. Shamrock Rovers had a fairly straightforward victory down in Turner's Cross, four uh, 0 in the end against Cork City. That keeps the pressure on from a distance, maybe on Piedmont at the top of the table. This is just a carbon copy of what happened in, in Tala. Um, um, we we talked about this last week. First half, Cork go in, Cork go in at the break, well in the game, and then all of a sudden they get blitzed just after half time. The one thing for me, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again, young Joy Ralph played barely any football in the first half of the season. She goes into that Rovers team. We probably think she's signed for Rovers. Ah, she's going to be a bench player. She's not going to start for them. She's already come in and scoring goals. And I think the problem is, is that she's taking players like you look at. Yes, Anya was on the bench, but Anya's sort of only really coming back into the squad. But the likes of Alana McAvoy coming out, who would have been in the Ireland camp going to the USA earlier in the year. Like the problem is, is for them, for Collie is, is that players are starting to score goals now. I think it's a, it's a big. I don't, I don't know if it's too late for an Abby Larkin whether to get a move now. This side the the UK window, the window doesn't close for another week, so I don't know if it's a, it's too it's too early for her to get a move now. Whether she will, but. She she needs to continue to put herself in the shop window, continue to score goals against big against the team against everyone she plays against, and sort of put that way out. You can definitely see she's come back from the World Cup with a bit of confidence, with a bit of with a bit of spark and vigor in her. That she that she knows she needs to go on to the next level. I've been critical of maybe is she does she have the 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 attitude to want to do it. So I think the next couple of months for her are key. But from a Rovers viewpoint, four 0 win. You're happy, you're happy out. Um, Stephanie Zamber also on the score sheet as, as well. From I think for her, it's been a massively frustrating season with injury. Get picks up the injury, what the second game, the second or third game of the season, and then misses the entire entire rest of it up until up until the international break, up until the World Cup. And you're sort of thinking for her, how much football does the likes of Steph have left? What what what's the want to sort of continue to go at, at this level? You, you know and I think for her to get just to get on the score, she it's it's probably a bit it's probably a big confidence booster for her and like I think she'd be she'd be big for Rovers in the second half of the season. But I just think Rovers have to go unbeaten. They have to win every game if they want to put any pressure on payment. I agree, but I think with Steph, the only two professions it's not going to be a coach that ends her career. It's going to either be a a doctor or an undertaker because there's no way Steph is going to stop playing. Uh, she just loves the game too much. She never officially retired from the Irish team because she still. Um, whether she's good enough or not is a, is a completely different debate, but she still wants to be playing football. And I don't I don't really think she cares anymore about what level she's at. 
I think she's delighted to be at Shamrock Rover. She's obviously loving life at the moment. I don't know if football is her number one priority anymore, if that makes sense. She's moved on to do commentaries. She's done a bit of reality TV show stuff with uh, Dancing on Ice and um, and the, the Hell Week, Survivor Hell Week. And, and I think she's... I think football is still... In her head is the number one priority, but I don't know if reality football is is the be all and end all that it was to her maybe five or ten years ago. Well, I don't, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. And the thing is, and, and people will probably turn around and say, "Ah, Steph's this, Steph's that." One of the nicest people you meet. But the other That's side it. of it is, is that she's worked hard at the opportunity she's been given outside of football to take advantage of. Whereas you see some people being given an opportunity and maybe don't grasp and don't pull it along. You know, like the fact that RTE pull her back for men's games and ask her to do Champions League games and stuff like that, like it speaks volume for how, how highly they rate her. No, I, I agree. And, and the reality that she's doing World Cup games and World Cup finals, and um, I think it's huge for, I think herself, Onyo Gorman, Karen Duggan, um, and the few others who've been involved at that level, Megan Campbell. Um, I know we've seen a lot of those faces kind of time and time again. Chloe Mustaki when she was out injured, Rihanna Jarrett uh, and others, um, they deserve all the credit in the world for the profile that they've given to players and former players. Um, and, and it's great to have those kind of ambassadors for the origins of the, the modern game and, and the league uh, that they're coming back now and, and adding to that next step in their career. Because let's be honest, only stepped away from international football again. Uh, I'd expect to see more of her doing a lot more media work. I think she's just at the stage where... They're enjoying whatever time is left uh, of their playing careers, and they're really, really going to push on. I think um, around the game and and add whether that's as coaches or as commentators or as analysts or whatever it might be down the line. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see. Well, Anya's already Anya's already talking about our next part. Just just moving away from from this for a second, just while it's it's come to my mind. Just a reminder to anybody former internationals that the FAI are still giving two tickets to the Northern Ireland game for. Any player who represented Ireland at, at senior, I think it's at senior level. It is, yeah. At senior level. I think that's a mistake. I think the FAI should have made that to every single player. If you've played for Ireland at any level, if you've worn that green jersey, uh, you're part of, you, I genuinely feel that you're part of the story. Whether you played for 15 minutes at the tail end of an under-17 international uh, 15 years ago or whether you went to the university, university games before it was even popular back in the early noughties, late 90s, I, I think it, it should be a, a thing that we're bringing everybody who's been involved in the women's game to that stadium, regardless of what they're paying in. Now, I don't think anyone should be getting in for free, other than obviously the, the former players, but I think it should be just whatever it takes to get anyone who's... It should, be a, it should be a celebration. 100%. Because it's not just about one game. It's not just about the World Cup or what's happened since the World Cup. It's about everything to do with women's football from 1974 right through to now. Uh, or 73, whenever it was, uh, right through to now, and every single person who's played a part, good or bad, in the development of the women's game, because it's all got us to where we are now, where we have that opportunity to fill the national stadium uh, against, albeit Northern Ireland, uh, which does have its own kind of connotations. And, uh, and I think I also think they're going to bring a good crowd. Yeah, I think so. I think the novelty of watching Northern Ireland play in a stadium that big, I know they play in Windsor Park uh, on the regular, but um, to play a kind of a an away game in a stadium of that size with that little bit of local rivalry. Not that there's much rivalry. They play each other so often at all levels across the, the game, but there, there is still that kind of 
kind of cut and thrust of, of that local playing the neighbours and, and wanting to beat them. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a big, big day. But yeah, keep your eye on that. It's a Saturday afternoon as well. There's no reason for anyone not to make it and bring whatever youngsters are in your world. Like if it's a niece or a nephew, particularly the, the female uh, nieces, kids, whatever it might be. If they have any interest in football, get them along and get them to that game. It's going to be I've, awesome. I've already told my little sister she's not coming with me. <laughs> I told her she can make her. I told her she can make her own way into the Aviva because it's it's a, it's just a train across from us from the other side of the city. The question is though, is Brefney early going to make the trip up to Dublin I, for this one? I, you know, I was ta- making this decision yesterday. It is a bit of an ordeal getting to Dublin. Um, it's not really, but it, it feels like an ordeal getting to Dublin. Um, but I think I think I'm going to try and do it. I am down to work that day, but I'm I'm going to have to have a chat with my, uh, my my colleagues and see if I can weasel a couple of hours off and head up the road. And, and I think it's important that everyone gets involved, no matter where they are in, in the country. It's it's a uh, it's a big day, and I think it should be celebrated by everyone who's been involved in the game at any level. Um, I think it should be a, a great day out as well, and a really good celebration of everything women's football. Anyway, before we get distracted by. Uh, w- going back in, in time and thinking of yonder, days yonder. Uh, DLR Waves and Peas, the last game, we didn't really touch on this, although I've got to mention uh, P-Man United, it just looks to be procession now. I I, I know um, Graham Kelly kind of put the kibosh on them and the FAI Cup draw a couple of weeks back when he said that he, as far as he was concerned, it was job done for P-Man. I know James O'Callaghan would kill us if we uh, agreed uh, with that sentiment, albeit uh, we kind of do. Uh, your thoughts on on the game at the weekend? Is it just one more step on the way to reclaiming the league title for the Peas? Yeah, for me, it's definitely it's one step and it's one step in the right direction. Like you look at since they come back from the break, they beaten Bowes, they beaten Pim, they beaten DLR in the league. Young Ellen Doolan scoring as well, getting her first national league goal. Um, the interesting thing about this though is the fact that the amount of kids that James O'Callaghan has had to use as well. Like we talk about shells being reliant on kids at times. There's been stages where James has had to use them and be reliant on them as well. Young Jess Fitzgerald in the middle hasn't looked out of, out of the park. And now with, with Kate Mooney going away, Alan Doolan's going to be vital for them. I think for, from a from a P-Mount point, point of view, it's just a case of just chalking off chalking off that them games. Like you look at, they, they win their next two games, then they go to their the third last game is against is against Wexford Utes on the mid on the midweek set of fixtures. And like it's it's just for them, it's just one more at a time. Win one game, get to the next game. You know, I th- I think that's the, that's the mantra. But I ju- I just think the attitude, not the attitude. I just think the they've learned so much from the last couple of years, and that's what's evident to me. Like I remember chatting to James O'Callaghan after they lost the cup final to Wexford Utes in in, Ta- in the Aviva Stadium, uh, and I talked to him a couple of days later, and I was asking him about because the substitution sort of confused me or I wasn't sure why and I sort of I had a chat with him and you know you could see how much he was sort of still reliving the thinking back to the to the game. Did I make the right choice? Did I not? And I think I think 20, 20, 2021 hurts them an awful lot. I think that hurts an awful lot in female for the fact that they go into the last two games against DLR and Galway knowing one win is good enough. They draw with DLR live on TG Car and then a week later, you're tuning up against Galway, thinking cruise control, lovely league title staying in, in Piedmont. The league title was on the sidelines that night, and then Galway come and score five goals, and all of a sudden, you see you, you, you're a Piedmont player. You, you watch that trophy being carried out of PRL Park and into the back of into the back of a car that had the the Talca Park to be presented to Shells. Like there's no doubt that hurt. Like you look at you look at last season, the slump they went through the middle of the season. You could see there was definitely pressure there. I said it last year on the show. Was there too much pressure that James may 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 lose his job? And 
in fairness to them, they finished the season off very well. If they didn't draw against Wexford Utes the second last day of the season, they were right back in it. And then the way they just started this season, like you have to think they've they've played fifteen get they've played fifteen games and they've only what dropped points in two games. Yeah. Shells and Shamrock Shells and Shamrock Rovers a draw against Rovers and the loss against Shells. It's the only points they've dropped. Ultra consistent. Um from a DLRA's viewpoint, it's some harsh lessons being learned. There were a lot of new players there. There were a lot of players that are playing playing in their first year in National League experience. A lot of young players who probably wouldn't be in the team if if, if circumstances at the at the moment they'd be in and around the fringes and, and Laura Heffernan has no choice but to play them. Your only concern is is that the last three three or so uh, transfer windows, dear Love just bled players. This uh, it can't continue as well. I know they've they've managed to bring in a couple of youngsters here and there, but it can't continue from their from their viewpoint that and for them to be competitive in this league, they can't they can't just continue to, to lose the players the way they have been losing the players and it makes the season even more difficult for them. I know they've still got the cup where anything can happen in the cup draw, but they've got probably one that one of the, the sec, probably the second hardest cup draw they could have they could have they could have asked for with Shells away and it's it's been a really disappointing season. It's been a disappointing season for for a number of teams and I think that's probably while we're talking about the positives and the teams who've done well, other teams have sort of struggled this year, and that's probably been the most disappointing thing. And I think DLR are being right up there. Yes, they got a couple of early results, but they haven't really got many of late. Yeah, no, it's been a big uh, challenge for them. And uh, let's take a quick look at the league table. Uh, you might just talk us through it because obviously Shell's not in action this weekend, so they're still in uh, Lithuania at the Champions League. They have a game on Saturday uh, as the finishing part of that but a 5-0 victory for Shamrock Rovers in Sligo or against Sligo would see them move into second place with five games left in the, the league title but they could be nine points behind Pease at that pit stage yeah like P-Man, like P-Man play Cork Saturday afternoon I'd, I'd highly expect P-Man to pick up all to pick up the three points and, and sort of continue continue that motor motoring on like from Michelle, from Michelle's viewpoint, as you say, they don't play. They play Cardiff City on Saturday afternoon in the third, fourth place playoff in the group. I think there's some some really, really interesting, really interesting games. Like you look at even Bowes against Athlone. From a, from a Bowes viewpoint, it's a must win game. Um, they haven't won a game since they've come back from the they've come back from the World Cup break. So they have to start winning. They have to start winning games, and if they don't, you sort of have to fear for them a little bit. Go in DLR on go in DLR on the on the TV, the TV game. Go away. it's an it's an opportunity for go away to go back to winning ways and sort of put that pressure on put that pressure on put that pressure on Bowes. The one game for me that I think is is probably you probably don't think I'm mad saying this, but I said it to you earlier in the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Treaty take another point off Wexford Utes. Yeah, no, they've been really, really impressive this year. Uh, relative to where they have been in recent seasons, they've probably been my success story of the season. I think Alban Heiss has done a really good job. They scared P-Mount something serious just a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, you could be right. Now, I don't think Wexford thank us for saying this, but um, it's genuinely... Well, you, look, you look at even the window. He brought in some more good players in the window. He brought in young Orla Fitzgerald... He's brought in players. He slightly adapted the system a little bit because he realised that they needed a freshener up. That the way they finished off wasn't wasn't the way they they played the first ten or so games. So like, that's a sign of a manager who's who's aware of of, of his surroundings and what's going on. And I think that's probably the biggest thing in, in, in treaty. And like, if they don't win another game for the rest of the season or they don't pick up another point for the rest of the season, I think the most important thing that treaty you know, need to do this season is keep Alvin Heiser. That's the most important thing. They need to build on, build a bit of momentum. They need to build, build a bit of structure. Like the last couple of years, 
the biggest down, like no disrespect to the club, but they should be on zero points. They should have no wins. They should be battered out the gate. The amount of changes that we've seen in the last three years with Treaty, it's nearly been new manager, new manager, new manager, players gone, players gone, players gone. They shouldn't be anywhere near competing where they are competing. And a lot of credit has to go to the players, the management, because the off-the-field stuff hasn't helped the club, hasn't helped them really develop and, and, and sort of get the synergy and, and, and kick on. They've sort of had a point. They get to it maybe a base a base during the season. Then all of a sudden, it's all changing again at the end of the season. Yeah. I think for them, in order to kick on, they really need to have that base at the end of the season, then be able to use that base that they built this year and actually go again rather than rather than wondering what players are going to get poached by what club or what player what players are going to go where. I think for, from a treaty viewpoint, realistically, they need to keep the large majority of that squad together next year and keep Alwyn there and that'll sort of allow them to build. But I think I think they're having a good season. Is he is he close to the being 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 worth is he worth a mention in in the potential stakes for the likes of the manager of the year? He's probably oh, in the car. So. I he's, think he's, so. de- he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. At the minute, James O'Callaghan is probably wide out front with with with, with the, in the lead of that. But I definitely think the likes of Alvin Heiser definitely deserves a, a mansion and a, and a conversation and that sort of thing. Then again, on the Wexford YouTube point, they still have Lizzie Kent in, in temporary charge. There's been no announcement as to what's happening. I'd, I'd suspect now we're just going to see Lizzie take the team for the rest of the year, and then we'll see see potential change or potential movement as to what's going to happen. But from a from a extra viewpoint, you know, I think it's it's important for them that they do they do win the game. It's important for them that they they, get, they finish as high as possible because they need to they need to try and kick on. It's been it's been a really disappointing season. I think the off the field stuff that's going to happen at the end of the year for Wexford Utes could have a, could, could be a positive with them going to Wexford FC. If there's more sponsorship opportunities there, there's more opportunities like it's 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 a difficult one to put the finger on, and I'm sure if you ask the players, you know, you you, you probably wouldn't really get the the the, the 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 honest and reflection answer as to what's as to what actually has gone wrong. But you could see in certain games where maybe years gone by they scored a goal here or they scored a goal there when they have the pressure and 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 think that it just wasn't clicking. And yeah, I think in Wexford, I think it's just a natural thing. I don't think it's I don't think that anything. Massively, no, I'm speaking in a vacuum. I'm not involved in the, the club, but I've seen this happen over the years, over the last 15 or 20 years in women's football, where the players who've been the, the key inspirations on the field and off the field maybe just don't have it in the tank anymore because age catches up with everybody. So um, that's just, that's the same thing we could have. we could nearly say the same thing with Charles at times, even though yeah. they're second in the, in, the, in, the, in the league with players being haven't been around and, and sort of been over relying. I think the one thing that this season has probably taught us, and we didn't maybe see it as much because it happened late in the year, is how much they've actually missed the likes of Alan Malloy. Yeah. I well, think Alan has been... In that, in that side now, and I think we're going to see more of her. I think she's had two cameos from the bench in the last two weeks. I can't I can't see Alan starting the game probably for another couple of weeks at least. I think it's probably is too she, early. In it. Is she going to survive the move to Wexford FC? Will, she, will we see her uh, with an opportunity elsewhere? I don't think, I don't think she'll get a move. And I'll be honest, I don't think she gets a move in the offseason. And the reason being is is the simple fact is I don't think any club is going to take a risk on her abroad for the fact until she plays at least a half a season, another next half a season with the knee and then sort of show us that she, she's out completely over. Because the problem is, is and you don't want to put any pressure on Ellen. Ellen's a young kid. You don't want to put pressure on for the fact of an ACL is a, is a, big, is a big injury. Like I've been lucky to spend a bit of time with Ellen at one or two media events and actually sort of chat her about through the process through the process and 
you, you can see it's taken a lot over, but she, she's been committed to her rehab. She's been committed to getting back as quick as possible. But like it's it's still taking the guts of a year for her to actually get back. So of, of asking if Breffney Early is going to go to the Aviva in, in two or three weeks' time, could we see Ellen Malloy in that squad? No, no. I if if if, if Eileen Gleason puts Ellen Malloy in that squad, it's it's doing Ellen Malloy no justice. Could we see Ellen Malloy back in the Ireland squad for the Albania double header? Maybe. Could that be a little bit too soon? It could potentially be where it could be Hungary and Northern Ireland at the end of November, start of December. That probably could be the more realistic one. Okay. Um, let's take a quick uh, look back. We've kind of done the, the League of Ireland now. I want to chat about a few things. First of all, Caden McCabe nominated for uh, the highest honour, individual honour in the game, the Ballon d'Or. Realistically, probably not much chance of winning it, but how good is it to have an Irish player just on the nominee list? Roy Keane's the last one in two thousand. You know, it's it's that long since it's happened, and like I think I think the problem the problem is is a lot of Irish fans are probably still going to snipe about, and we've we've started chatting about this briefly off air. They're still going to snipe about. Okay, they got rid of Vera. Um, thankfully, since we were on air last, Vera has come out and done an interview with RTE where she sort of said it wasn't the players, and she started taking that away from from Kate from Kate. Like she started the whole thing. I'm, I'm still not over. I think Vera started it and then to come out when the whole thing is blown up to go, oh no, don't blame Katie. I only blamed her because I didn't want you to talk about me for a minute. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I said to you all along, like I said to you when I walked out of that press conference in, in, in Brisbane, I said, I said, you know, I said straight away the first thing, the first thing I said is Vera could have nabbed that in the board quickly and, and got, it, got it being a non story. But for me, Katie deserves an awful lot of credit and. It's funny, I've seen the League of Ireland socials tweet a picture of Katie winning Young Player of the Year. I think uh, all, the, all the years back when she was a young, oh, yeah. innocent. Yeah. And like you just look at where Katie's, Katie's come from to what she's done. Her career could have been so different. Her Arsenal career got off to a poor start. She got sent out on loan to Glasgow. That was where she sort of had a choice. She either goes to Glasgow, has, has an unbelievable time, and shows Arsenal what she's worth, or... She goes to Glasgow, has a Porto, has an okay time in Glasgow. Glasgow might sign her to keep her on, and she gets released from Arsenal. Whereas when she come back from that loan spell, since then she's just kicked on. She's just got better. She's got better and better and better, and she's improved massively. Like she's one of, she's probably one of the first names on the Arsenal team. She week in week out, and like you look at some of the players that they have there. Management trust they put her in the captaincy for Champions League semi finals last year when Leah Williams is it, Williams and, and Kim Little are injured, like. For me, her performances in the WSL stand out for the reason why she deserves to be nominated. Yes, the World Cup probably wasn't wasn't great for any Ireland player. Uh, the goal against Canada was obviously brilliant and got nominated for goal of the goal of the tournament. But the one question I would ask, and this is just me holding my hands up, did she mean it? That's the only question. But like for me to see Katie nominated, and because you know you know Katie since she's young, I know Katie since she's been in the league since a young age, and just to see where she's gone to, where she's come from. And to me, I'm just, I'm absolutely thrilled for her. I'm delighted for her to see her doing what she's doing. She she truly deserves it. Like there was a lot of talk last year, last January about Katie, which Chelsea putting in a world record bid for her and, and things like that. Like that just shows how, how valued she is. And like, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted for her. Um, realistically, if she can maybe finish in the top ten, top ten of the vote, I'd call that a massive, a massive success. I did see somebody having a having a pop. At, I won't name, I won't name the news, the news out, out, outlet, 
who do a, a top 100 players every year and Katie wasn't in it this year. I, I did see someone having a, having, a, having a snipe at them to say she's nominated for the Ballon d'Or and, and she doesn't make that. It was an English journalist had the, the pop. But like for us, it's great. Um, the last time Ireland had someone nominated for an award at the Ballon d'Or Awards was obviously going under the name of Stephanie Roach back then years ago for the, for the Puskas Award, for the, for the goal she scored against Wexford Uton. It's all just positive exposure towards the League of Ireland. It's all just positive exposure towards the women's national team. It's all just positive exposure towards Katie McCabe. And to me, couldn't be any could be more delighted for her. And I, and I wish her the best with it. And you know, she's gonna lead her country out again the Aviva in a couple of weeks. And it's 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 it's, it's a massive achievement. Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, I did have the pleasure of working with Katie as a as a youngster with under sixteen. Uh, she was on the side that um, we both were involved in the uh, FAI. See, well, under 16 cup final, uh, beaten by a very, a very solid Colga side. But a lot of Le- uh, League of Ireland women's players were involved in that team and players who've gone on to represent Ireland in different sports and stuff like that as well. So, uh, you knew back then she was a talent, and it's great. To I remember, of- I remember my first year, what was my first year involved in it? Yeah, it was my first year involved in the league when Rohini beat P Mount United 3 2 in the F in the League Cup final. and the game was dead and buried coming into it was nearly I, I remember I, I'll never forget it because I was going to um literally pack up the bag ready to the report was written P, uh, Rahini scored deep in injury time to send the game to extra time I just remember that game and remember seeing a young Katie McCabe and even the week before they played them in the league they drew four all out in out in P, out in P Mount and just seeing Katie against these experienced older players and you just knew she was destined. Like I think one of our last moments in terms of a, a Shelburne jersey is probably the free kick in the Aviva in the in the cup final. And like we've been lucky to see where she where she's gone to gone to. You've you've had the privilege of working with her. I've interviewed her so many times and like she's just a natural born star. And I think she's definitely worked hard to earn to get to where she she has got to and like it's it's brilliant. It's you know what more can you say about it? Absolutely. Um, moving on to another person who's setting the world alight uh, on the field for uh, representing the Irish players, I suppose, in an international competition is the WNS, NWSL uh, Challenge Cup. It's kind of the secondary league cup. Uh, most of it played while uh, the players were away at the World Cup in the US. Uh, North Carolina Courage qualified by virtue of a 1-0 win. Uh, over Kansas City Current uh, on, I think it was Wednesday evening, or maybe Tuesday, Tuesday evening, uh, Wednesday morning, our time. Um, Denise Sullivan played all the all the full 90 minutes, but uh, it was a 95th minute or 96th minute winner that put them through uh, to Saturday's final. They'll host that game against the uh, OL Reign. Uh, Racing, Racing Louisville, actually, I think it is, who are in yeah, that final. Yeah, Louisville won that. Yeah, so uh, I watched that game the other night. All those games, by the way, um, I know, Aaron, you weren't aware of this a couple of weeks ago. No. All those games are available for free on the NWSL. Now, they all tend to be like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. kickoffs, so you'd really want to watch them. But they're good. If you're up late on a Friday night, Saturday night, can't sleep, uh, definitely put them on. Some of them will put you to sleep because the standard of football in some of those teams is not but you just You just have to realize, Breffney, Saturday, Ireland played a rugby in the World Cup and Saturday afternoon – Game would be over. Denise Sullivan plays a half five as well, and then you can go straight into the the League of Ireland game on TV straight straight after. But I've got a bit of a trivia question for you. There's oh, a famous there's a famous NFL player involved in and his wife involved in Kansas City, Kansas. Do you know who it is? 
They're no. part of the ownership group of Kansas City. No, I don't. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is... See, that was wife, the obvious one, but it was almost... His, his wife, his wife uh, Brittany Matthews, actually played professional football in Iceland. I did know that, actually. That I did know. Uh, I found I, that out last week. I got the first pick in my NFL fantasy football draft at the week, and then I didn't pick Mahomes. He was one of two, and I didn't pick him. I'm probably going to regret that. <laughs> no comment. I know. Uh, <laughs> it hurt for me, but anyway, it, it is what it is. So that game is also Saturday evening as well. Plenty of other Irish in action uh, around the Champions League at the during the week. Um, Katie McCabe, as you mentioned, uh, she featured uh, as part of a the um, actually bring it up here on screen. She featured as part of um, the Arsenal side there in the the league path for the non champions uh, in the competition. But uh, we had plenty of players. Most of them will be uh, with shells badges. The shells girls are in this list as well. But if I sort it by minutes played, uh, Caitlin Hayes not an Irish international but eligible for Irish consideration, so she makes the cut. Katie McCabe they both played full ninety minute games. Uh, for their respective sides, uh, Celtic and Arsenal. Uh, Emily Whelan came on as a well, 73rd minute sub for Glasgow City against her former side Shells, while Aoife Colville, the Australian-born Irish international, came on uh, for the last couple of minutes of Okay, that that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, this is a new feature we've got on the website. No, Colville, no, Colville. Colville. Yeah, she's played. She came on. It's her first appearance of the season. She hasn't played in their first five games. Yeah, you know, why she, you know why she hasn't played? Uh, I don't. She's been out with an ACL injury. Oh, it's good to have so her. She's been back. out for the last year and a bit, so it's good to see her sort of making her making a return. I know she played. She played. She made. She had one appearance for Ireland. Played the first half of a friendly against Iceland, and then sort of she was the unlucky one to be whipped off that day when you could have taken off absolutely anybody from that team. Interesting question, and I need to fo- probably follow up with her. Neil Farrelly wears number seventy-one for London City Lionesses. The quirky number to pick. There's some strange numbers. I've been putting information into the site for uh, the Women's Champions League. The number of players in 70s, 80s, and 90s, particularly 97, 98, 99, for some reason, is absolutely weird. I think it's. I think it's if seven or eight or nine aren't available, you just double it. It seems to be the the attitude. 71 is a little bit strange. Maybe it's 17 backwards. If she, I think that. It. I think that's what it might be. I'm, I must find. I must find out and actually find out what, what it is. But she made her London City Lions debut as well at the weekend, coming on as a. As a sober half time, and like there's so many Irish players abroad now, it's mad to. Well, if you look and... at, the, at the people who've played this week, I'll bring it back up here again. Um, this is just the list of people who have played uh, for a team outside the country this week. It does include the Shells players because of the Champions League, but O'Sullivan uh, with two games in the last week in the NWSL, Caitlin Hughes, the same uh, one game in the Scottish. Premier Women's Premier League last weekend, but a whole host of players who uh, made appearances in the championship. Louise Quinn with a goal on her uh, first start for Birmingham this season. Was a late, con- a late, late consolation goal for her. Yeah, but you can go down here see just the volume of players. Some interesting names. Haley Nolan, uh, she featured for Crystal Palace. Uh, you mentioned the two goalkeepers in action against each other in that game for Lewis and Durham the other day. Uh, they're both on the list. Nisha McAloon and Sophie Whitehouse. Come here, I think. Dirk Cruz with a goal on her debut for. Uh, a second, a second appearance for San Diego. She made a debut. Come on, that was a nice hack. It was a lovely header from from Kira Cruz. So I did see the her goal. First, her first start last weekend, though. So she's she's really hit the ground run with them. Haley but... Nolan for me is an interesting one. Okay, so Haley was originally a midfielder. Um, London City Lionesses converted her back into a centre back. She was a midfielder in the Ireland squad. Then she managed to perform well to go back in as a centre back. I don't think she actually gets the credit she deserves. She played every minute last year for London City Lionesses in the Championship. 
and obviously makes them move to Palace. But I don't think she actually gets the credit that she probably deserves because I remember being her coming back, and I'll be honest about it. She came back a couple of years ago from the States and under this rule that, you know, annoys me where they can play for National League clubs during the summer. You know, I don't like that rule. I've said it multiple times. Um, but she came back and she was on the bench for Piemont. And I'm sort of like, when she when she went, surprised that she come back because I didn't think she was, how would you say, up to the level. And then when she signed for London City Lionesses, the improvements that she's made have been astronomical. And that's the full-time football, swapping the centre back. So comfortable on the ball. Um I just think I just think for someone someone like her, I think she, she's gonna have a bright future. I don't think she'll she get an awful lot of Ireland caps. I just think she might fall in between the the, the old crop and then some of the players who are the likes of the Jesse Stapletons, the likes of the Ethan Mannions, where she may not pick up an awful lot of caps. But like she's somebody who who, who could have re, have a really, really successful career in the championship and maybe eventually make a step up to the WSL and like when you see players like that who are playing so regular and moving to a new club and playing regular again, I, I, you know, it's, it's it's the ones that like that that you watch out for to see how they get on. Yeah. Uh, to finish up the chat on the Women's Champions League, of course, um, unused sub, Deborah Ann de la Harp, she's joined uh, HB Hogan, Denmark. They've had a reasonable start to the season. She's had a uh, one appearance for them so far, unused sub at the weekend. And, of course, Diane Caldwell, she comes on for what will be her first appearance in 12 seasons in the Women's Champions League. She's been around for so long, you kind of assume she's playing at that level week in, week out, season in, season out. Uh, but she's only played, played two or three games back in, in a former life in 2011, 2012, back then. So uh, she will make her, hopefully, uh, all things going well. She's been ever-present for them in the league so far uh, in Switzerland uh, with uh, FC Zurich, and she's expected to be part of that squad. Uh, they play their, I think it's a, a playoff final um, on Saturday, if I find the care quickly uh, they play um i can't pronounce that name uh Ber- Berkirkara, uh they're in action at the weekend so the, that's 5 p.m on saturday evening a lot of these games available to be streamed as well katie mccabe she'll be involved with arsenal uh they take on paris fc not to be confused with paris saint germain they're two very distinct clubs in the women's game and uh, that's two o'clock on saturday as well again these games if you look around you will find i think uh, the Ar- arsenal, game will probably, arsenal game will probably be streamed on the arsenal website i know the first the first game was Played a Swedish team in the first game, played a French team in the second game. It's just it's it's mad the way the Champions League is sort of growing and, and like years gone by we'd have said the Swedish teams, like you look at when when Arsenal won their won their only Champions League, it was against a Swedish team when Alex Scott played back back in the day when it was a two legged final. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since it's been a two-legged final. But anyway, um, in terms of the, the rest of the week, that's pretty much it for us this week. Uh, anything else that we've forgotten to talk about, Aaron, that's uh, been on your mind for the last week or so? No. Um, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Hopefully people continue to buy their tickets for the Aviva and get out and support a, a National League club. Actually, yeah, one thing, a reminder that the Galway, Galway DLR versus DLR game is free entry in name of DC Park for anybody who wants to come along. Shamrock Rovers also have an initiative going this week where all school kids and school boys and school girls kids can apply for free tickets. I think that that's a, a good initiative. Hopefully the parents get along and get a little bit hooked and want to bring their family and kids back for a second and third game. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, that's it for me, Brefney Early and Aaron Clark. Thanks for joining me again, as always, uh, this week for our uh, Irish Women's Football podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. You can check out our website for all the results, stats, and any everything of all the Irish players playing abroad and the Women's Champions League this week. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another show to everyone at the weekend. Hope you get out and enjoy your game, and uh, we'll be back to you next week. Talk to you then. <laughs>